The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Kids, clean the Mif-Muff Workman corner out of your ears and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan, here to announce show number 274 with Charlie Calvert and Beth Massey, recorded live Tuesday, September 11, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter. And now, bringing world-class expert-led training in C-Sharp, ASP.NET, VB.NET, SharePoint, BizTalk, TeamSystem, and Workflow Foundation on-site to your development team. Details online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who has to keep explaining to his mom that Orcus doesn't live at SeaWorld, Carl Franklin! Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. Richard Campbell's here. Hi, Richard. Hello, sir. How are you today? I am well, and you? Uh, doing just fine. Studios coming together. I'm happy. Got you, some. I still have some of that uh, 18-year-old McAllen that you left me for my birthday, and, you know, life is good. <laughs> <laughs> we had some of that McAllen when we were in uh, New York last week. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. But enough about that. Let's get right to Better Know a Framework. <laughs> It's a little bit I've been doing to uh, educate through osmosis, just to give you some heads up to classes you may or may not know exist in the .NET framework over time. Hey, you know, it might add up to something. Well, I'm learning things. What do you got for me this week? All right. Well, today, sticking with the uh, the uh, extender provider theme that we established last week, we're going to system.windows.forms.tooltip. Oh, and keeping with the extender provider theme that we established last week, uh, this week's class is system.windows.forms.tooltip. And uh, it is an extender provider, so if you drop it on a form, all the controls on that form get a tooltip on tooltip1, whatever the control name is, um, property. And you set that to a string, and then when you hover over the control, the tooltip will show. Cool. So it uh, is because it implements iExtender provider, it adds this this property to the controls that are in its scope, and uh, it's a great little piece of technology. iExtender provider, 
Um, just like the error provider we talked about last week, it, it uh, implements the same interface. And what sets the scope? Just if you drop it on the form, it's everything on the form? Everything on the form, right. So nice. everything on the form gets the, gets the uh, tooltip property. Um, um, or or I'm, now I'm not sure about this. It might be the container. So yeah, if you have thinking, like a panel control and you have yeah. controls in it, you drop the tooltip on the panel, it's obviously not going to go on the form. Yeah, it's going to be everything in the container. Everything in the container. If, if you drop it on the form, it's everything on the form. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. So you got an email for us. I do indeed. And it's another one of those great link emails. This one's from Paul Erickson. His subject is link things. <laughs> I just recently found your podcast and have been enjoying a lot of the shows. One thing that I don't think gets enough discussion is how some of the link stuff works with both user and system collections. Hmm. People always talk about link to SQL or link to XML, but there are a lot of great collections in the framework that automatically can work with link and no one talks about these types of queries. Yeah. Paul goes on to actually cite some code samples, which I'm not going to read. (laughs) <laughs> but he enumerates some very cool stuff here, going through all the processes in memory, uh, a classic enumeration, going through a set a set of directories and files to get the uh, the current uh, timestamps off all of them. Huh. So that's pretty easy to do, and we take a lot more code in the other form. I mean, these are single queries that do all of that. Wow. Some of them recurse into each other. Neat. And the thing that really impressed me about these is they're so clear. It's very obvious what he's trying to do hmm. when he goes through walking through service providers, looking for ready reports and so forth against uh, various bits and pieces. Okay. Awesome. And he ends off with, I love Link. It fundamentally changes the way I think about how the code will look when it's done. The code all comes out very elegant and highly readable. That's from Paul Erickson from Omaha, Nebraska. Thanks, Paul. We'll be sure to send you a .NET Rocks mug, as we send everybody who sends us email that we read. In theory, sometimes we forget and they remind us. Right. right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Brill down there in Infusion has hired, oh, over 20, I believe, people now. Maybe not quite 20, but a whole bunch of .NET Rocks listeners are moving to New York to uh, work for Infusion for a year at the New York tour where they pay for your apartment for a year. So if you're interested in moving to New York City, working in an f- exciting financial district uh, there on some great .NET applications, check out the offer at shrinkster.com slash kh6. Also, if you haven't answered the question yet this week, go to .netrocks.com slash Barcelona and enter into our sweepstakes. We're going to ask you a question about the shows of the past week, and you get the question right. And we'll, if we pick your correct answer from our list, you win a Tom Bin bag. A brain bag. A brain bag, no less. Same ones we carry. Yep. And then you go into the pool for the draw at the end of the contest on October 30th. We're going to draw for two 24-inch LCD monitors. Awesome. So that's at .netrocks.com slash Barcelona. Yep. And uh, we'll announce the next winner on Tuesday. Right. All right, Richard. Let's introduce Beth Massey and Charlie Calvert. Beth is a program manager on the Visual Studio community team, working with the Visual Basic team, producing developer content at msdn.microsoft.com slash vbasic, and uh, on her blog at blogs.msdn slash Beth Massey. As a VB community champion and a longtime member of the Microsoft community, she also helps run the East Bay.net user group and is a frequent speaker at various software development events. 
Charlie is the uh, Charlie Calvert, that is. Charlie is the community program manager for the Microsoft C Sharp team. He has a degree in journalism and computer science from the Evergreen State College. The author of 10 technical books, which have sold over 100,000 copies. Charlie, wow, a technical book that actually sold 100,000 copies? No, that's 10 books that sold 10,000 copies each. Oh, okay. Thank you, Richard, for <laughs> straightening me on that surreal moment. <laughs> Charlie currently lives in the Seattle area, where he enjoys outdoor activities such as hiking and skiing in the mountains. Welcome, Beth Massey and Charlie Calvert. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So is this going to be like car talk for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) I can do it. Well, you know we've got VB.net on one side and C-sharp on the other side. Someone's going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. I can build a car faster. And I know that to be true, too. (laughs) Beth is serious about her mechanics. She's got a background. I do. And it's not just the Fox Pro thing. No, (laughs) No, it had nothing to do with programming, just like building things. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yep, racing cars, building stuff. It's a lot of fun. That's my hobby. You didn't mention my hobbies. I no. don't do as cool right. hobbies as Charlie. I fix cars and ride bikes. So. <laughs> that is serious, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> I can't fix a car. I can only fix computers and software. That's the only thing I can fix. Yeah, well, I don't I don't actually try and fix my car anymore. I have other things to do, but I can actually talk to a mechanic. If I couldn't now. fix my wife's computer, she'd divorce me in a second. <laughs> She'd be like, "What good are you?" I still change my own oil and brakes, though. I can't, I can't break down and do those things. But <laughs> you can't let somebody else do that. It's just yeah, I can't break down and let someone else touch that because yeah. it's so easy. Yeah. Well, it's good to know there are still some VB champions out there, Beth. Yes. Very good. It's my favorite language, as you know. Oh, I know, and yeah. I appreciate that. Great talks, too. What is the state of Visual Basic these days? You know, I I get the sense that it's making a, a comeback with all this coolness around dynamic languages and then the XML literal stuff. Yeah, actually, XML literals are pretty cool if you guys haven't checked them out yet. Um, Visual Basic has taken, I think, a kind of a ne- next step in its um, implementation of link to XML. So you can write XML directly inside of the VB editor, and it recognizes it as XML. It's not a bunch of strings or anything like that. And you can create um, expression holes and put basically any kind of VB code into the XML directly. So, you know, link expressions, anything. And it'll evaluate that and produce XML documents or fragments. It's pretty, it's really easy to work with. Plus, you get XML IntelliSense as you do that if you import a schema. So it's it's great. And I think you had Eric Meyer on talking about that. He probably talked on and on and on about all the cool stuff in that area. So that's one of my favorite features of Visual Basic, that's for sure. We actually had two link shows back-to-back. We had Eric Meyer, who talked about link in general on in show number 270. And uh, he didn't really talk about VB all that much, but Don Demsack came on, Don XML. Uh, 271, which mm-hmm. we did uh, on the 11th, and he talked about linked XML. Also, I did a DNR TV with Don on linked to XML, talk, showing the VB literal stuff, like actually cool. on the screen. So that was that. It was an eye opener for me. Let me tell you. Cool. Yeah. So you can rewrite all of your RSS aggregator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, I've seen. You know, I've seen that code. You've got. It would make it like way simple if you just rewrote some of that in db9 it would be really cool yeah absolutely well we yeah. actually we actually uh 
don't do aggregation now so much as we do out- outputting XML. Yeah, so same. It's it's the same. I mean, any anytime you need to work with XML, RSS, anything like that, it's going to be way easy. Yep. Office, Open Office, XML as well. So we have a lot of um, a lot of articles and videos on on the Developer Center, all targeted at Link. And Bill Burroughs just wrote an article on um, VB9 and XML. So check that out. It's in the library right now. Do you um do you get the feeling that Visual Basic is sort of the playground for new and cool things that you can do with languages, whereas uh, C Sharp is sort of staying pure? Well, I mean, there's a difference. I mean, because you know C Sharp, you know, has a standard standardized language. You know, that's an open. Um, you know, it's 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 just different. VB has the advantage of of being able to um, innovate differently. Let me put it that way. But um, there's still a lot of exciting things, of course, in C sharp. Well, what, what we did on this in this particular area was that there's a sample actually that ships with the product that's called Taste is XML, and so you take XML the same way you can write XML literals in VB. You can take the XML, take literal XML, and just paste it into the clipboard, and then it'll write the linked XML code that expresses that and put it paste it right into the editor. That's very cool. Yeah, it ends up giving you a lot of the same the same kind of functionality in terms of making it easy to work with XML inside of there, while so still the, resisting the uh, open uh, paren or open bracket percent symbology that gives all of us ASP people chills. That's right. <laughs> we were really close. You know, we looked at it and we got really there, and then we just it was the open bracket, and then then they showed us the percent sign, and they just you're like, no, that I can't did it. <laughs> No. Do it, don't make me. The brackets maybe, but not the bracket and percent sign. <laughs> not declaring your your link query though was like ah. No. Mr. Calvert Anders wants a word with you outside right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Charlie, I know you actually have a background from the Delphi side of things. You've worked with Anders longer than he's that than just Microsoft. You were that's over right. on the Borland side. No, that's right. When I first came to Borland, it was back in 92, back when the Earth's crust was still cooling. <laughs> and, and, and Anders was then, he was, you know, it was the same guy. He was just younger, you know. He didn't, there was no gray hair and, and any of that stuff. But, but it was still, still very Anders. Danish. He was still very <laughs> Danish. And he would drink very expensive wines the way he does. It was still the same guy. He was just, he wrote with little begin ends instead of curly braces. <laughs> that, was, that was the difference. That's how you become Anders Hausberg. Drink really expensive, expensive wine in, great ideas out. I think that's the <laughs> I, I've been looking formula. For the, for that's the, my I, problem. I drink, I drink cheap wine. That's it. <laughs> no, no, I worked with him way back then and he was, he was brilliant back then and, and, um, did, and he's brilliant now. That's that's just sort of his nature. And I've always had a sense that a big part of Link comes from Anders. Although, talk, I mean, a chance to talk to a guy like our conversation with Eric Meyer really also got the sense that there was a huge movement uh, on the language side of things towards this more uh, functional programming model that is represented in Link so well. Well, I think, I think it's true that, that there was a lot of people here who worked on this, and it would be to say that Link with Andrew's baby would not be fair. But what the genius that Andrew's brings to products that he's so good at is the ability to write clear, simple, easy-to-use solutions to complex problems. Hmm. And he's just done that over and over again. He comes and he has a genius for knowing when to say no, don't. 
don't go any further here. This is the point that people can understand and can use and can be efficiently used. And he keeps coming up with these beautiful solutions. And he's had so many successes, you know, over the years, he's done it over and over again with Turbo Pascal and Delphi and C Sharp and now Link. He's, he just keeps coming up with these solutions. And I think this was one that he's been working on for a long time. I remember him in the Delphi days, you know, working on these database solutions, going, how can we make it easy for people to query databases inside a programming language to get the, you know, the benefits of an IDE, to get syntax highlighting and to get um, IntelliSense and to get completion, you know, for your code and have it inside the IDE and be able to query a database. And, and you know, Link is kind of the fruition of all his years of trying to achieve that. And I think he's, I think Eric Meyer brings a lot to the table, though, for sure. Like Absolutely. said, you know, Eric Eric has a different way of innovating and thinking, and I think it's just um, it's great to have these kinds of minds on these <clears throat> big projects here. You'd need to have that, and it, with Eric, you know, with the dynamic programming and his his way of doing things, it's just I think brings a lot just to the the whole team um, dynamics. There's a lot of people that worked on Link. I mean, this is a huge, huge, huge feature in these languages. It's nice, yes, we have the luminaries, of course, the big, you know, visionaries you have. And it's just so, like, the amount of people at Microsoft that made all this happen is just incredible. Well, there's there's two guys on a, um, on a blog I recently interviewed here, Luca Bolognese and Dinesh Kelkarni, who are both um, PMs here on the C-Sharp team. And, and I was interviewing them, and it's on my blog, you can see this, a video interview. And I was asking them, well, how long have you been involved with the Link Project? And they say six years. You know, they've been working since the beginning when this thing was still just a gleam in people's eyes. And and they've come all this way and then followed the program here to, you know, to, to when Andrew started working on it. So they've been working on it much longer, you know, than he had even. Right. So, and right. so there were people who, who go way, way back in this. And certainly Eric Myers is one of the key, you know, he's just. These guys, these people who are here, these, you know, it was with Borland, there was just one. There was Anders, this one super genius. But when you're here, you know, then there's Anders and Eric and all these other guys. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, obviously the discussion of a better way to do data access has been going on as long as we've had data and access. So, and I didn't mean to say the A word. <laughs> I was, I was gonna, you know, like I was wondering if it was Access available. handles it pretty good. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> said the D word before. Why not the A word? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny to think that this may actually be the next generation solution. I mean, you could put ODBC in here somewhere too. I mean, ODBC was, hey, is there a way for us to create a chunk of code that would work with multiple data stores? Sure. And I remember an ODBC driver for Excel. Right, or exchange, or right. Yeah, which was evil, but it worked, sort of. <laughs> well, it gets back to our calm thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't like calm anymore. So it's all .NET. So it, I think just being able to work directly in the language, though, is key. You know, I, okay, I'm I'm a little bit, you know, swayed by my Fox Pro instincts, but... Being able to have language integrated query inside the language itself as you're writing it and not have to like resort to strings and that sort of thing, which you did with, you know. Every language except Fox. <laughs> Every language except Fox Pro, right. <laughs> what did you mean by that, by that thing about the, your Fox Pro sensibilities? Because I've never written Fox Pro, so I don't know what, so what you mean by Pro that. Fox Pro has language integrated query against, you know, rectangular data, against re relational data. Okay. Hmm. So you can write queries directly in the editor. 
Well, and it always did, right? It comes it from did, yeah. Fox Base, which derives from D Base. I mean, it began as a 3G language for data. So that's why people love it so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Clipper's another one, D Base. Right, exactly. So, I mean, Fox Base, Fox D Base. There was a ton of those different types of languages, you know, hmm. in late 80s, early 90s, I guess. So then the Fox, Visual Fox Pro, Microsoft picked that up. Visual Fox Pro is, you know, um, object oriented, sort of, almost, you know, pretty close. Kinda. And, uh, so that was like 95, you know, around there. But, you know, the, the issue is, it's, it, Link is so much more. You know, it's so much more. You'll be able to, you, you, be, it's basically, you know, you can write queries over anything. You know, with Fox Pro, it really was the rectangular, you know. It, it doesn't have to be with Link. You link over objects, XML, any provider you want to, to write. And we got an email from a listener to this effect. He says, why are you guys so fixated on SQL and XML and these sorts of things? Think about enumerating through a list of objects. Objects, correct. Or right. WMI. I mean, getting into right. looking into the operating system. All of these things are queried the same way. It's, it's easy to start, like, you know, with databases, though, because it's what people are used to right now, and it's easy to show them that, and, you know, because you write queries in SQL and T-SQL, and then you can just show, here's the link code, and to get people to learn, I think it's, it's easier to show it that direction, but, but yeah, I mean, definitely you want to, you want to see those, um, object hierarchies, you can, you know, it's a different way of querying, um, and it's way more powerful. You know, I'm still trying to get my head around the idea of, uh, querying over a list of objects. If you have a list of objects that's so big that you need to write a query for it, do you, why are you ca- holding that much data in memory? Well, it's not just, it's not necessarily the size that's so important. It's the syntax that you can use the same syntax. You know how to query data. So you've got query data in a database. You've got data in XML. You've got data in the objects in your program. You've got data out on Amazon. They're all data. And as long as they're as long as they're link aware, and in this time all of those things are link aware, then it, the one of them's an external solution, not built into the product, but there is a link to Amazon at this time, and you can write the same syntax. You know, you go from C in customers where you know the city is smaller than something, select these fields from that data. You can use the same type of query to a query an array of numbers. You know. From I and but it's I not necessarily a. in memory either, right? So, like, for instance, with Link to SQL, if you could use, you know, an OR designer, design your classes as objects, and then what it does is it waits. It doesn't, nothing's in memory until you actually execute, like, actually access the object you're looking for, You the dot, and then it goes ahead and fetches the data you need. And, and you can combine the two of them, right? Right, you can be exactly. Be against an array of, of, of numbers and combine it with data from a database in the same query. Or from, you know, XML, or, right, exactly. And I so, suppose and, you're right. I mean, I'm, I was thinking, you know, people are going to load up, you know, 10,000 records into a, into a, into a strongly typed collection or a generic collection and then, you know, query over that. But I, I guess you're right. I mean, if you've got, if you've got data points on a map, you know, and mm-hmm. you want to look at uh, a certain range of them based on some formula or something, you could certainly do that. You know, you, UI, user interface. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff. But anywhere, really, in the middle tier, sure. anywhere. We're eliminating a lot of iteration of looping constructs right. you're building to try and find these things. Exactly. The looping construct where you have a group, you know, variable, and then you have to keep checking that. And, you know, all of that stuff is eliminated. Well, there's still a loop somewhere, right? It's just closer to the metal. Isn't that right? The grouping? No, there's still a loop somewhere. 
It's just not in the application. Isn't that true? Well, you're enumerating over. It's most of these things support I enumerable an interface where you for each over them. You're you're iterating over them. It's it's like a loop, but but you're using the, I, the power of I enumerable, the ability to iterate over members of an array, iterate over the members of some particular thing, and which is mm. a little different than a while loop in part because it's safer. You know, you don't have to check for the end condition and so yeah. on. You know, you've you've got that stuff built in. Right. And, but, but the, but another big thing is this, is this concept of being able to take two different domains of data and combine them into one qu- query result. And then right. take that, you know, it's transformative doing it. And, and then as Beth was saying, it's also hierarchical so that if you query a, a SQL database, for instance, that has a customers that has orders, you can join those two tables together into rectangular data. But when we are object oriented programmers and when we think of things like that, we don't think of, of, of the two combined into one rectangular data, we think of, oh, here are customer records, and then kind of jagged off of each one, you have the list of orders that are associated with it. We have customer classes and then orders classes that are associated with it. That's the way we think as object-oriented programmers. And Link will allow us to continue to think that way. When it queries a database like that with a, for the customers and the orders records, it gives you back two classes, one with the customers, right. and each row in the customer table has a set of orders that are associated with it. They're related. That, it's very intuitive. It is. And it's, it's a lot different. Think. It's a lot different than flattening out your result sets like you're used to in SQL. You know, So it's executing the queries for you and bringing them into your object model. So that's what's key. And it's just a different way to think if you're really data-based programmer, you know, you are in T-SQL all day and you love it. It's going to be a different way of thinking. On the other hand, it's going to be a lot easier for the programmers, for instance, like me, who don't sit in, you know, get like those giant stored procedures that run super efficient, but they have to be one giant statement to be that way. You can break link up into multiple statements and it doesn't affect your performance. So it's it's kind of just a different way to to look at it that way too. If even if you're just working in pure databases, yeah. So rumor has it there's more to Orcus than Link. Although when you go out on the internet, it's hard to tell. I mean, admittedly, it is an overwhelming feature, but uh, and has been the subject of a number of our shows. You guys uh, are working on other parts, right? There's more to it. Well, you can, you know, when you're really, you've kind of gotten into this thing, if you start writing sentences and you start typing out, you know, where it should be the word, I'm going to link these two things together and you write L-I-N-Q. Then you know, look, it's time to get another job or to get a bike, or something like that. you know, quickly because it's just, you've been around here too long. Yes, there's a lot of new features to ask you a question other than Link. It, there's a lot of new tooling, especially. There's a lot of great productivity tools in, in Orcus. And um, personally, the ones that I tend to use a lot are, is the new um, the data set designer has been a little bit augmented. So you can now split your um, table adapters from the actual entity itself. So you can, <clears throat> that's a lot nicer than basically instead of just creating a logical data access layer, you can physically separate your data access from your um, type data sets now, which is one of the biggest gripes I think was about type data sets was not being able to do that. So that's really nice. So you don't have to fight the tools there. And, you know, the, the WCF support 
is another one that I think is uh, huge, nice tooling there around that, adding uh, service references, being able to test them. There's a, you know, testing tool in there. There's like a, a lot of options that you had to do on the command line before with web services are exposed now inside the tool. So that's pretty nice. Um, I personally love that feature too. And this is really because mm. Orcus or Studio 2008 is the first version post.NET 3.0. So you're right. finally getting the features to work exactly. with all these things. Yeah, so it's trying to target more, you know, like what came out three O, right? WCF, WPF especially, right? And yeah. WPF, I never thought, we, or WCF, I never thought we needed to write a lot of, we didn't need a lot of new functionality in Studio around. It's it's codable, but WPF, we need as much. These this is a visual thing. Right, it's a UI, right? So yeah, you, you should not be it. scratch writing XAML for this. That's bad. Yeah. Right. So you want to sit in Blend or a Blend-like tool to design your UIs, really. And then you want, you know, that code-behind feeling, too, right? So that's what they're aiming for here in Visual Studio 2008. A lot better experience than your add-on. What was it? It was an add-on for Visual Studio 2005. Right. Extension, right? So now it's built right in. So CIDR, the tooling there. So, yeah, Charlie, what are your favorite features? You did a lot of samples, so there's a lot of great samples in this version, There, there are too. samples, but that's going to lead us back down the link path, which I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we have the link samples, but there are other like, samples. <laughs> but there is, there is there, one of the big ones is multi-targeting, that now you that's can right, open yeah. up your, you know, your if you're targeting the t- .NET 2.0 or, or 3.0 or 3.5, you know, when you open up and say new project, you can choose which, um, which .NET um, framework you want to target, and you can select one or the other and, and go ahead and do that, which uh, gives you a lot of freedom and power in terms of where which APIs you're going to go after. Uh, how close is the .NET 3.5 ship date to the Studio 2008 ship date? Are they They're, actually coupled in any way? They are the same they are. thing. Yeah, they so are the same thing. They are going to ship together. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because really, what's in .NET 3.5 that's so different is that word that we're not going to say anymore—the one that begins with L, you know—and there's the Q in it. Link. <laughs> I, I was I was writing it Never out trying to figure out what you were talking about. <laughs> I see. Right. It's that. That's really what's inside of of 3.5 for in many ways. That's the new feature that's there, and so it's intimately tied with this release of Orcus. Uh, about the multi-targeting, you know, being able to target different versions of the .NET framework, does this mean we're we're not going to have to, you know, like say you're a tool vendor and you want to make sure that your tool works on every platform, typically 1.1 is your platform of choice today. Right. Yeah, because uh, it's backward compatible with 2.0 and, you know, and, and 1.0 is pretty much insignificant now. But um, we've kind of forgotten. Yeah, we sort of forgot about 1.0. Yeah, we've forgotten the 1.1 even. It's your choices are 2.0, 3.0, and 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 3.5. Right. All right. Okay. So so do you think this is not a problem anymore now that we can do this right in Visual Studio? We can just say which uh, which framework we want to target. That's right. We yeah. have to go back to Visual Studio 1.1 or 2.0. Well, yeah, it saves you basically having to install multiple IDEs, right? Yeah, and working with multiple IDEs. I mean, that, right. that can become a pain. Right. You might want a lot of the new features and the tools, for instance, um, but you still want to target 2.0, and that's you know totally doable. You can still upgrade to Visual Studio 2008 and write uh, programs for .NET 2.0. 
So it makes it a lot handier. You can start, I mean, you can't use the link, but if you're not targeting 3.5, like Charlie was saying, but you can use tooling, you know, all the tools in VS, new stuff. Right. Are we going to see much tie to Silverlight in in 2008? Or or is that, did it come too late to be part of the package? I would Charlie, you want to answer a, that one? A little late. Is yeah. It's, you know, I, mean, that's, I think that's fair. I yeah. just wanted to know for sure that you know, we're you know. winding down on you know the Orcus cycle here and silver. Yeah, you're in beta two. Up. Beta so. two is over, right? The product yeah. is is all but done. We're we're gonna we may we are we gonna have a release candidate or two. So what they're probably they're gonna do is they'll add you know extensions just the same as we had for VS two thousand five as you know extension packs will come out that help you work with those technologies. So that's their plan. Yeah, the problem is they just they turn out a lot of software around here, and somebody just had to say stop. Yeah, we have to you have to have, cut a line somewhere. We never release anything. It's yeah. like waiting for things. Innovation yeah. happens constantly here. It's crazy. It's overwhelming. I mean, I just started in March, right? So I'm still you know drinking from the fire hose, as they say. But it's 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 uh it's interesting. I had a different. I mean, I loved Microsoft before I joined Microsoft, right? I was going to be like the typical lame, you know, okay, I love you, Microsoft. But it was different, right? It was different. I was thinking, you know, I, I know everything there is about Microsoft. You know, I'm an MVP, no problem. I've been working with, you know, the, the software and tools for years. I know everybody. And I got inside Microsoft, and it was a lot different than I had thought. You know, like, for instance, you know, there's no, like, VB versus C-sharp rivalry inside of Microsoft at all. Right. I don't see that at all. I work with Charlie all the time. We're in, you know, three meetings on Friday together with different groups of people, right? We work together a lot, and, you know, there's I don't feel like there's that, like what's on the outside is what's on, is not what's happening on the inside at all. Well, and I've always thought that the threat there was when .NET first shipped, VB and C Sharp were so similar, the question was, well, why do we have both? But it's literally seems since that moment they've gone in different directions. Yeah, I mean they, they and they will, right? Because they have different, you know, value propositions and customers, and so we, you know, we're trying to pick the best, you know, for each of our customer types of customers we have. And there's a lot of different types of developers out there that not going to one language isn't going to just cover. I mean, we have C plus plus too. We work with them too. So you know, it's 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 interesting being as I say, on the inside and like realizing that there's a lot of love inside Microsoft and it's our jobs, me and Charlie, to, you know, get that out to the community and make the community, you know, happy about their stuff. We all sit here on the same floor, you know, the VP yeah. teams that's just right down the hall for me and, and the C++ teams just down, if I stamp too hard on the floor, then I'm, you know, getting right. and company <laughs> to me and so on. And, and we're all right here in the same building. And I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't really even notice the distinction most of the time. Is to yeah, if you're going to go fight with somebody inside of Microsoft, go fight with the Exchange team. Yeah, oh, those guys yeah. keep messing up our what email. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> that, see, that's a whole different issue when you talk about Exchange right there. You know, my blood gets up right away. I, oh, don't say the E word. <laughs> that's, that's it right there. That's the one. Beth and I will just go, this, God, the Exchange. We really need that feature where Exchange just answers your emails. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's the the email part of it. We recognize they have a function, but you know, it's just good they're not here in the building with us. That's the way. <laughs> no, they're fine. It's just, it's just not like that. That's 
know. We picked exchange. We should rag on something else. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anybody I know on the exchange team. I know. <laughs> I always say SQL Server. I love SQL Server. <laughs> if I go to a meeting tomorrow and there are people like glaring at me, I'll think, oh my God, they heard the darn interview. It's the exchange stuff. And I know I'm going to need something from him. You know, this is. You know what, though? Microsoft IT has got their shit together, I have to say. I mean, they are really on top of things. Well, it's and it's an amazing infrastructure that they run. Yeah, I guess, but they but they run beta, alpha, you know, and we dog food constantly is what we call it, dog fooding. When yeah. We use our own products, right? And they, you know, having an IT department, dog food stuff like that, it, I think is amazing. It's one thing to just play, you know, as a developer, play with stuff and you know, kind of build stuff, you know, on your machine, whatever. But to actually run a company. You know, servers, exchange emails. We get emails all the time, upgrade, patching, doing this, 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 this. I mean, they're so organized. It's, I mean, kudos to the IT department. What? And, and running on the beta software. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of like amazing, I think. I think they're crazy is what it is. 76,000 employees or more, you know, it's like crap. Running on exchange, you know, you know, beta. <laughs> yeah. Like, great. It's, it's a lot of nerve, really. really it's pretty cool, though. It is. It's a lot of nerve. It's cool. You can actually call help desk and they respond. And so I'm like, wow. So cool. you found since Vista came out that things take longer? No. I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't running Vista before I joined Microsoft, actually. I, this is the first when I'm I joined. I'm sorry. I'm, that was a cheap shot. But, you know, yeah. we did. We have told a couple of jokes on the show, and one of them is, uh, how many Mac developers does it take to copy a file? <laughs> okay. How many? What's a file? <laughs> and then Scott Hanselman came back with, uh, how many Vista developers does it take to copy a file? I don't know. The dialogue box has been up for 10 minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty funny. I actually, I actually like Vista, and I usually hate new operating systems. As a developer before, when, you know, XP came out, I was like, no, no, no. I like, you know, whatever I was running, Windows 2000 Pro or whatever it was. I don't want to move. I don't want to move. And, you know, they got this new computer, and I'm like, great. Now I got a new operating system. I got to learn this, too. And actually, it was the first time I've ever sat down and just started typing because I didn't know where anything was. Just started typing, and it actually found stuff. And I was like, what? It actually works. So for me, I haven't had any problems, but, you know, I've got I got a new computer, and Everything's running smooth. And Microsoft IT behind you, making it happen. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I've had a good experience so far. Although, you know, I've only been there since March, so we've got, you know, many more years for something to happen. So. <laughs> They'll get you yet. <laughs> you have the right machine. It runs It runs beautifully. It's, it's, there's no problem. I have this huge honking laptop. It's gigantic, but it runs Vista like a charm, so I'm, I'm happy. Well, I'm it's looking forward meeting, to SP1. Right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a live meeting. It's a live meeting that always gets us sometimes. Well, like, but we're running all the betas of all that, too. So, you know, not only does IT run all of the betas and stuff, but we do, too. We, we're asked to install. All right. All so now time. I know what the situation is. The situation is it may fail, but you can't don't know what to blame because you have so much beta stuff running. <laughs> but we call Goodness IT knows. in a fix, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Wait a second. Orcus. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, Orcus? isn't that what we're talking about here? Yeah, we're, talking we're talking about, about. Orcus. Sorry, we got sidetracked on more Windows products because there's so many. <laughs> so are you ready for the big news? Telerik is taking the wraps off four new product updates. RAD controls for ASP.NET, RAD controls for WinForms, 
the first official version of the Telerik reporting tool, and a brand new suite codenamed Rad Controls Prometheus. And you guys think I don't sleep. Telerik's tools have always been great, but I think this time they've outdone themselves. Well, here are the details. Prometheus is built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET Ajax, and it'll become the successor of Rad Controls for ASP.NET. Just as ASP.NET Ajax will be the future of ASP.NET, Rad Controls Prometheus represents the future direction of all new Telerik development tools. This new suite of controls will also pave the way for seamless integration with Microsoft Silverlight, formerly WPFE. The WinForm suite aims for the stars with powerful new grid, chart, and tree view controls. For me, it seems like a major player on the WinForms market. Another intriguing addition to Telerik's portfolio this spring is Telerik Reporting. The product introduces a new level of development experience, which Telerik collectively calls easeability, a naturally intuitive mouse-only approach to generating Windows, Web, and PDF reports. And if that's not enough, go to www.telerik.com to check out what's new with Telerik's renowned RAD controls for ASP.NET. How about how about ASP.NET Orcus? Have we talked about that? Is it stuff stuff you want to talk about, Beth? Uh, ASP.NET, there's a lot of great stuff, in, especially around the tooling. My favorite, I think one of my favorite features, is, which might sound lame to everybody, but the CSS editor is incredible. I mean, I have been waiting for a tool like that since I was using front page in 1997. Okay, so it's just, <laughs> I mean, visually you can see which rules are applying and which rules aren't. Like, do you ever, like, design a page and you're going, you keep hacking that CSS file and you're like, why isn't the style changing? Because you don't know what's inheriting from what yeah. or whatever. Who's doing the override there? Exactly. The class is overriding the base style. Exactly. And this is great because it, it actually, when you when you click on a tag, it'll show you what's, what's being inherited and it'll strike out the things that aren't but are in, like, the container ship, for instance. It's really cool, so you can easily see it. It's one of my favorite features. I'd love the idea of being able to look at a chunk of a – look at a sentence on a page, on, on a web page, and say, what is the hierarchy of styles being applied to this? Yes. It's amazing. It's, it's a great little editor, and there's all these different, hmm. like, pivots you can get on, on it, too, so you can change it around how, you, how you're looking at it. It's really cool. So, Charlie, what's your favorite ASP.NET feature? I know mine's kind of lame, but, you know, it's a really cool editor. <laughs> that's a, you know, initially, that's not a language feature. That's pure IDE there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a reason to get, you know, VS 2008, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not a big ASP.NET. I just noticed it runs, you know, and I kind of go back to <laughs> programming other stuff, you know, desktop stuff. Charlie's an awesome Little developer. command line applications. I'm still trying to get convinced about this Windows stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm not really sure, you know. It might be just a fad. Basically, it's the command line is where is where I really feel comfortable. On a TRS-80. That was the first thing, C-sharp. I said, does it support right line? And I said, okay, I can live with this language, you know. <laughs> I, I want my Commodore 64 back. <laughs> there it is. Can we talk a little bit about the framework version number issue here? You know where I mean, two point oh made sense to me. Three point oh, where you just added a few more classes. Now, granted, they were big classes. Wait, let's write a bitch session element here. Let me close it off so that we have unlimited time at the <laughs> bottom here. <laughs> What's confusing? It's it's .NET three point five, C sharp three and VB nine It oh, all cool. up. 
It's you add one point, you add point five, subtract six plus nine. So you see, I can deal with this. I'm the Canadian. I do metric conversion all the time. <laughs> it all makes sense if you think about it. Oh man! But it I really makes get sense s- if you flip it upside down. Yeah, upside down is when it and looks backwards. right. Yeah, if you have the right uh, drugs, it might make sense. But yes, correct. Yeah, and I don't even know what the C plus plus version is. That's that's for the advanced users. <laughs> yeah, they hide it actually. Yeah. They yeah. make you guess. If you have to ask, you're not qualified to know. <laughs> right, it's exactly. a C++. You should take all the products that are coming out, all the version numbers, average them together, and that's the grand version number for the product launch. How's that? <laughs> actually, I think it's BS10. I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to start. <laughs> It's, it's CS nine, I think. Nine is nine is yeah. We're we're, we're right, that's right. Nine is. You guys are in. Hey, nine and VB. Okay, so it matches VB. Cool. Yeah, you guys are much more <laughs> organized over there. I keep trying to bring this up with people, but. Well, Charlie, I, I get from your flip answer that you know this is complex stuff with lots of parts, and the parts have versions and deal with it, right? That's... Yeah, one of those parts is marketing and. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, it's, it's, uh, yes. I don't know why they have these difficult version numbers. I think it's, there's a kind of a VB C, C sharp thing there, though. The VB people are in line. They've got the same number. It's clear. But to use C sharp, you need to have sort of deeper knowledge of 3.5, 3.0. More dots. Or dots. Yes, More the dots. dots. Right. The dots. Well, everything has a version. The language has a version. The IDE has a version. The .NET framework itself has a version. It kind of makes sense. They're kind of different things. Yeah. They all have to work together. So it that's what that's where you get confused. All right, close tag. <laughs> all right. It's okay, that's the little part. <laughs> Mark that one off. Mark that one off. <laughs> Tick. Dynamic language runtime. Uh too late for Orcus. But it is a new technology. It's not per se in Orcus, but I can see that we're gonna need some stuff around this. What do you want? I don't know what I want. Dude, you have the opportunity of a lifetime here. Here's a Microsoft person asking you <laughs> right what now, you want. I got, I got a pen. Hold on. Let me get a piece of paper. Okay, go ahead. What do you In want? In front of the entire community. You get to say, I want this, I want... and it shall be done. Yep. You don't even know what you want, huh? I don't know what I want. All I know is <laughs> DLR is trouble. Because it's and DLR and it's cool and I want it, right? Absolutely. I, I want it. I want. You know, maybe I want to be back in the days where... As I was writing the code, it was running in the background anyway. There are kids today. They don't know what programming is. <laughs> yeah, that whole interactive programming. That thing Fox Pro had, you mean? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know, I'm amazed, Beth, that we've been talking for more than half an hour, and I don't think you've said, yeah, we had that in Fox Pro ages ago <laughs> once. Because most Fox people I know, that's all they can say. I know. I had to get And I'm like, in, the sorry. two guys who know that are really impressed. hey those two guys they're important okay they they also program in vb because they need to eat (laughs) (laughs) hey don't be don't be don't be mean to our vfp community they're still around (laughs) and they're still strong and they're one of the biggest community one of the let's loudest communities i think we have so and uh they're actually a good model to look at around successful communities for instance so I, you know, I draw on a lot of that. For, well, I, I know, often yeah. wonder if one of the reasons they're successful is the sheer volume of adversity they've faced over the years. Well, 
Well, I mean, that you, you come together over, you know, a common call to action. Fox Pro's dead. They're killing Fox Pro. I mean, they've said that since Microsoft bought it 10 years yeah. ago or 11, 12 years ago, however long ago, right? But, so, you know, the other side of this is nobody programs in Fox Pro casually. Right. It's not well, like, gee, yeah. I got to pick a language. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. It's, it's just, it's a good language to look at for um, a strong community. I think it's good. It's a good model there. You, you still, for instance, you still have people in the Fox Pro community who don't program anymore at all, sitting around knitting and talking to each other, for instance, or <laughs> calling each other on the phone, you know, and saying hi. So it, it's one of those kind of types of communities. They call them Fox Pro moms. <laughs> <laughs> they drive big SUVs and talk on their cell phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have, you know, knitting guild meetings and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> All the Fox Pro moms out there are going to email me and say, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> what is it you're talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to have conversation. Because somebody in, is in their car right now going, what the hell is they talking about? I don't get, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and all I have to say to that person is, hey. Watch out for that person crossing the road. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Stop looking at your radio. We're not in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what else can we talk about? Beth, uh, we've seen you before several times at DevTeach in Montreal. Yes. I'm, I'll, be in, uh, I'll be in Vancouver this year, too. What are the so. kind of things that you talk about when you go out and speak? So lately... Um, I've been doing a lot of talking on, of course, Orcus, Visual Studio 2008, and um, Link in VB9, so that's been a lot. Um, I'm going to be speaking in November. Um, some more Link, I think there's a XML literals talk I'm doing, and then there's, um, at DevTeach, I'll be speaking on migration, so VB6 migration to .NET, so we've got a lot of really cool tools. Um, we've got like power packs and what we call the VB offcycle team. At Microsoft, and what they do is they produce um, tools that make it easy to to code in VB and interop toolkits, for instance, to make it easy to work with Visual Basic 6. For instance, the interop toolkit will allow you to create um, .NET forms and user controls and run them inside of your current VB6 application. So wow, you can cool. take like a phase, yeah, you can take like a phased migration approach, um, different kind of strategy than. What they had recommended in the past, we, you know, they realized that, you know, me as an art, coming as an architect and going, yeah, you don't want to just completely rewrite your program. That's going to take you years, especially if, well, I mean, or more, right? I mean, it'd take you like forever if you have like this application that's 20 years old, right? Or 10, you know. So it's kind of a bad idea to go ahead and say, oh yeah, we're going to trash the whole thing, rewrite the whole thing, and okay, we can't make any money for three years and we're going to just rewrite this, right? Well, that doesn't really work, right? So what they decided to do is create this team that takes these kinds of suggestions and creates these cool tools. So, and one of them, my favorite one, I've done some videos on them and some posts, blog posts is the Interop Forms Toolkit, and that's what helps you take this kind of different strategy to upgrading your apps. So is is this the thing that John Rauschenberger was involved in? I think so. I'm not sure. This is... Yeah, I think, well, the Fox Pro community actually had a lot to do with some of this, too. So they 
they took and took a lot of samples and now you can actually take um, the same approach to your FoxPro applications and you can um, use .NET forms and user controls inside of your FoxPro applications as well. So there's been a lot of work um, around the Interop Forms Toolkit and the new version of it now allows you to um, not only was it before it was just forms interop, so you had to have like yeah. a whole .NET form. Now you can take it a user control level, which is a, a lot more flexible, right? Because then you can drop an actual control on a VB6 form that's already there. So, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's and it it writes basically all of the com glue code for you, really. That's what it's doing. Okay. So is is migration from VB6 still a huge issue? Is there, are there still a lot of people? St- not moving to .NET because of this? Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a huge issue because, you know, a lot of these applications are fairly old. I mean, any application, you know, just sitting there and going, okay, we're going to rewrite the whole thing, you know. It's just a, not a smart investment sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, we do have a lot. And VB6 still runs. <laughs> it's still, you know, we have the redisk for VB6 inside of Vista. So, yeah. you know, you can, write a, you can write a VB6 app right now and copy it over and it'll run on Vista. So it, it's, you know, they have like a really, I think it's a really well thought out support policy for it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, basically we've made it really easy to um, keep those apps running. So now what we want to do is we want to make sure we have a story and an easy way for people to take those applications and move forward with .NET because VB6, you know, is older technology, you know, and we're just going to, we're going to continue down the .NET path and VB, not the VB6 com path. And so we just want to make it easy for people to do that. So I think there is a ton, I mean, there's a ton of developers in the world today that are still doing a lot of VB6 work and they need our help. Okay. So that's what I'm here for. Is .NET, do you, do you think that there's a lot of people moving to .NET for the first time in this version? I know that in yeah. 2.0 there really was. I think, yeah, I think there's going to be another wave. I think you have waves of people that, you know, say, okay, it's a new version. It's really time to look serious at it, you know. And this, you know, this is like, how what was the first version released? I mean, it's been a while. I mean, 2001? People, yeah, yeah, 2000. It's been a while. So, I mean, I think it's, to the point now where people are like, yeah, we need to, we need to really convert this and right. look at all of the benefits you get. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not just gonna convert, rewrite something to, for rewriting sake. You want to have some sort of value added, right? And I think there's a huge amount of value added in Visual Studio this version. Yeah, so it's not like, unproven technology anymore. Yeah, exactly. I still exactly. think about the number of, when VB6 first shipped, we had a big wave of VB3 people. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Finally given up 16-bit, going to jump to 32-bit. Yeah. Right? Because the, the first version was, you know, that, that flaky version's out the door, and I'm going to oh, wait. Maybe 4 you know? was evil. It was, it was the bridging <laughs> yeah. version. Yeah. So, so like, right, you know, then it's all about the trust, right? And how many people are upgrading? Should I upgrade? You know, is there a better tool? If, well, I'm going to rewrite it. Maybe I should rewrite it on a completely different platform. You have the same problem inside .NET. You know, you, people are on 1.1, they're on 2.0, and they have to upgrade. And, and it's, you know, it's like pushing a stone uphill to get them to do it, to move on to the next version and so on. So it's, it's always a problem getting people to move forward into the next, the next world. I wonder if Link is actually going to be a big push. If I'm a guy who's been writing my apps up until now in VB6, where I've been querying the database directly the whole time, Mm-hmm. In some ways, I would say, hey, this is more like the way I work anyway. 
That's true. I mean, it's it's a compe- it's a very compelling reason to, um, you know, upgrade. I mean, and then at the other hand, if you already have a .NET application, you can start using Link right away. I mean, if you make the jump to say, I'm gonna, we're gonna upgrade the framework, right? The .NET framework. We're gonna now target the new .NET framework. You don't have to re-architect your application just to use Link, right? The only thing you need to do is now you now you need to redisk the new framework, right? But you don't have to totally re-architect. If you're using, for instance, type data sets in table adapters, you can use link over data sets, right. right? You don't have to start using link to SQL. You don't have to start changing your architecture either. So, I mean, with VB6, yes, you do. You're going to be moving your, probably, <laughs> you're probably going to have a new architecture. A few right? things are going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Just a few. <laughs> Just a tad. But, but the, you know, the key is with, I think with the, like with Charlie was saying with the multi-targeting and then, you know, if you do say, okay, we're going to make the plunge to link, it's not going to be like this. Uh, if you're going already from .NET 2.0, for instance, it's not going to be like, oh, no, we're going to redo the architecture and it's like going to, you know, we have to redesign this. And it's not necessarily like that. You can kind of just say, okay, well, we're going to use it here. We're going to use link over our type data sets on this form because we want to calculate a total on the fly really fast in one line of code. For instance, right? You know what? It, it, it just occurs to me that um, every time, every time there's a new version of .NET, the productivity level of .NET developers past just goes through the roof, and the, it's just been folding over and over and over. So that right. you know the the people who are still like writing Java and Notepad are just must be like, how did you do that so fast? <laughs> They're really fast typists, I guess. I'm terrible. Well, if you, if, you know, it's like trying to write code without IntelliSense. Once you get used right. to it, you know, you're always in there in, in Notepad, you know, typing the dot, and then you keep hitting Shift, the right. Shift key, expecting a control shift <laughs> to pop yeah, up. My brother's <laughs> one of these guys, you know, and he likes it that way. He he yeah. really, sure, really sure. prefers it that way. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be those kind of people too. I mean, you could you can go ahead and type, you know, .NET code in Notepad if you want. You know, it's not stopping you. But I think that it's like the more and more and more and more complicated systems get, you know, like they have. Um, if you look at 10 years ago, look at the types of systems we were writing then, right? They seemed complicated then, but now we look at them like, I can do that in 10 minutes, right? I can yeah. write a, you know, I can connect to a database and start querying, no problem, right? No, you know, it's like you have to get these tools in because of that, though, right? You have to get tools that make, you know, the simple things extremely simple so that you can focus on those harder things that come along. And the, the, the kind of, like we were talking about, the kind of innovation coming out of Microsoft, it's like amazing to keep up on that stuff. So we have to make this, the drop dead simple stuff really, really drop dead simple to do and the tools so that you can, you know, go towards this, you know, cooler, newer, different architectures or whatever else is coming out of Microsoft. I got a question for both of you, and uh, every once in a while, I just get the urge to ask this question because the answers are always so much fun. But uh, how about this one? What was the weirdest, uh, let me say that a different way, what was the most screwed up piece of software you ever inherited or had to unscrew? <laughs> hmm. You, know, you don't have to name names. Charlie. You don't have to oh, name names, happy. but I mean, I've seen some horrible software. You always get these when you're out there working in the industry. You know, you get these you get these things that don't compile, and that you know where there's one procedure that goes like six pages long or something. You know, and and it's just incomprehensible that anybody wrote this code. And and somewhere in the background, they're always using a port. You know, that's never open. You know, that's always closed off on your machines and so on. And you've got to sort all this stuff out. And 
in classes that have two methods in them that run five pages long and things like this. There's always mm-hmm. there's always examples of this that that happened. I there's one that had to do with washing machines that I'm thinking about. I think I can say that much. It had to do with washing machines. You know, it's still <laughs> fairly anonymous as to where where it was, but it was just extraordinarily complicated code. And, and what you realize is that there's well, it's got to be a long method if it's going to run for 20 minutes. Come exactly. on. <laughs> when the soap dispenser, there was nothing to clean it, you know? What happens when it gets to the end of the... It's got to at least have a few loops in there, you know? <laughs> no, they had loops. They just had loops within loops. The code's so, going so, in circles. Yeah, it's the vinyl loop starts on page three and ends, you know, like on page seven. And there's a bunch of nested four loops in the middle of it. And, Was it and COBOL? <laughs> the whole, yeah. you know, the whole concept of refactoring, this is when, it, you know, you grok it all in one moment when you look at this code. But... Mm. But they, Ugh. but I, I think that that's, you know, that's the most complicated challenge. And there's always that temptation that people have to, well, now I must rewrite this, you know, and you start, you know, do I rewrite from scratch, which can often be this disastrous decision. Yeah. Because, you know, right. You know, you go, then suddenly you're under huge time pressure and you make another series of bad decisions and people have to, you know, learn how to refactor and how to sort out code that's, that's hard to use. And, you, you know, I think a lot of what writing good code is all about is this whole process of being able to look at a problem and saying, what's the simple solution? What's the transparent solution mm. to it? It's not finding the solution. And, you know, we all start typing away. I always start typing away and writing things, and I get about halfway through it, and I say, oh, my gosh, you know. And then that's when you need to sit back and, and do the real work of programming is how can I find a solution that's that even I can understand. The know, so, simple the, solution is to to move laterally into marketing. That's correct. That's <laughs> oh, an excellent, oh, nice an one. An excellent thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> or community. Read only problem code solved. Thing, you know. Well, I think the worst right piece code. of code. Let's see. I think I had to learn Clipper really fast for once, and I only knew C++ as a C. I only knew C and C++ at the time, hmm. and uh, I had no idea what an index was or a database at all, and I had this piece of code I had to rewrite, and it actually was a, an office management system or something like that, so it was a fairly, not a huge application, but it had a more than 10 type tables and stuff in there, so yeah, I had to learn Clipper and re- fix this thing, and you know, it took me a while. Figuring out like a new language wasn't hard. It was. It's mostly figuring out what people were thinking or how they're thinking, how their thought process is, mm. right? Because it's going to be it's slightly different for every programmer and how they go about solving the same problem, right? Yeah. And so you, you know, or you know, you have these little things like you know, variable names or your, your nits, you know, like X is not a variable name. Damn it, <laughs> <laughs> right? And you know, it back in back in when I was doing this in like the early nineties, there was no you know IntelliSense or you know I had to search through straight you know basically search strings to find my variables everywhere, and there was no refactoring cool refactoring tools, right? Mm. So it's like things like it's easier. It got easier and easier and easier. Every time I picked up codes, I worked for a consulting company for a long time, picked up somebody else's code. You know, I could at least, I at least had the tools like go to definition, you know, or, right. or those sorts of things. Even in DB6, you know, I mean, and, and, and Fox at the time, you know, before .NET, we still had pretty good tools. It was like, you know, the farther back you go in time, the worse and worse and worse. And those nightmares. But I think get. we learn from looking at that bad code. You know, that's where we le- really learn how to write code is the right. code that's terrible. And then you go, even if it's our own code, heaven forbid, you know, that that it's our own code that we wrote 
many years ago, of course. Now that we're <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> yes, of course. But when you we were young and you go, foolish. Oh my gosh! And then you that that's when you really start to learn what programming is, and you go, Why doesn't my code look like you know Andrew's code or something? <laughs> yeah. Go, oh, I see. I did have a very privileged programming life, though. Most of the the systems I ever built were from scratch with a team of people coming in and building them. I worked on product products that, you know, from the ground up and then consulting companies where, you know, you, you have the privilege to write a new system or interface with current ones, but you're actually writing new pieces. So mm. I think I've been lucked out. <laughs> I, m- most of that was, was so, but, you know, right in the, at the end of the .NET boom, I kind of, you know, the .NET boom, I was in one of those things that had, you know, Stock that was worth $150 one day, and two days later it was worth like a buck fifty. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, right after that, for a while, I was kind of taking all these interesting little jobs that I kind of was was whatever was available. In the you Valley want fries of that? And that was that was, that was when I got to you know you get to inherit the 5,000 line Perl program and so on, and, and those those were the ones that was really. Yeah, I think ASP ranks up there as nightmare too. <laughs> oh yeah, same Perl, ISP, CGI, all those all those systems. The, the one where you get into real tough untangles is where there's been mistaken assumptions, and then they've spent the rest of their time compensating with code those initial assumptions that were wrong. Sure, true. And, yeah, and right. I think back to an application where a guy had decided that a transaction was something you started at nine o'clock in the morning and ended at five. <laughs> Oh, oh man! It's been oddly enough had to write a lot of code around that. Yeah, or code that like is fixing data because you don't know how it got messed up in the first place in the database, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those little those little massage programs we used to call them, right? You got to write a little massager right here. I'm like, well, why don't we figure out why right here isn't working? That's sort of like (laughs) that's sort of like moving laterally to marketing, sort of like that. Yeah, it's like using the the switch on the compiler to turn off the debugger errors, right? And turn off the warnings. Gets rid of a lot of error messages yeah. that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look, it's perfect. <laughs> well, guys, we're just about out of time. Uh, it's been a been a fun show, that's for sure. And we're cool, really yeah, looking I've had a great time too. No, it's wonderful chatting with you guys. Are either of you two going to be at Dev Connections in uh, November in Las Vegas? I probably won't be. Next. I probably won't be either. I've got a couple other conferences I'm speaking at in November. All right, very good. Where are you speaking, Beth? I am speaking at DevTeach in November, and um, QCon I submitted to. So Ted Neward has lassoed me into that one. Now, what's um, QCon? And if I don't do that one, it's in it's in San Francisco. It's um, they're going to be. Speaking on .NET, .NET, but not just .NET focused, so it's got other technologies as well. Oh, cool. And then um, I might be, if I don't do that, I might sneak in and do Patterns and Practices Summit at uh, Microsoft. Are you speaking of that one, Charlie? No, I'm not. Okay. No. Is that so, the Guided Design uh, Summit? It's Patterns and Practices. Yeah, it's, it's Keith, please. and right. um Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think I had to turn them down because of the QCon, but um, we'll see. All right. Charlie, we bumped into each other at the MDC in Cairo. That's correct. Earlier this year. Yes, we met like at the foot of the pyramids, practically. That's right. 
Yes. And then we found out we both knew Mark Miller, and we were both embarrassed at the same time. Are you oh, kidding? I went, God. I go, you guys <laughs> met at the bottom of a pyramid? No, no. Yeah, I, the, we, the, we, of a py- so the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, we know we both knew Mark Miller back. I knew him from the back in the Delphi days. He was yeah. a major Delphi person. I was his big liaison there. I would sit and talk to him, and he 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 was he was impossible back then. Even you know, yeah, it's not yeah, just still something impossible. new. Yeah, <laughs> look at his blog today, where he did a, a slide for VS Live. Do it uh-huh. with it's www.doitwith and then .net. If you look at his blog, he's got a slide. Go ahead and look at it now. I want to get your reaction. A, a VS Live slide. His 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 first slide. And you got to read the re- the prerequisites. Where is it? Do it with. .net. Read the prerequisites. Head to, ah, yes. Okay, now I'm going to That's funny. He used, to, he used to make these incredible films that we, we had at um, the Borland conferences that he would he would do. He'd make these cartoons that he made. I think he used to have a background in, in movies or something. He yeah, he went to film school at, uh, what is it, Southern California, where George Lucas went? Oh, cool. uh, he has this incredible talent for making these movies, and we'd sit there, and you know, we we go everybody in the whole conference. They drop everything and go see this one room where it would be packed to overflowing, all watching Mark Miller's incredible new movies that he made. He 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 had he parodied all the people in the Borland hierarchy, all the different people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was I saw that he did a, like a Simpsons throw, throw off. Yeah, or it was something. a Simpsons based thing. Yeah, that he did that was just incredible. And if you knew the people, I was you know I thought, well, this is it. Poor Mark, you'll never get invited back to another conference. <laughs> but somehow he does. That's part of being Mark, you know. Mark Miller, burning bridges since 1990. That's correctly. <laughs> I, I did. I was his psychologist. I would go in and talk to him, and, and then I'd have to explain him to the team, and I'd say, no, he really didn't mean that. You know, it wasn't... <laughs> oh, no, he really did mean that, <laughs> that but he's going to let it all... go before you do. I know. i talk them all down. i get them all back into shape, and then he'd come into the room and talk for five minutes, and all of it was all blown again. We were back. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, this time, they're going to take, they won't let you back in the building this time, Mark. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a great guy. He's very talented, incredibly brilliant guy. It was great. I've been stuck with him at airports a couple nights, and you just get him talking. You feed him a few of the right lines, and he'll start telling his latest theories about what he's doing with programming. It's always fascinating. Incredible stuff. If people don't understand, he's really like that all the time. All the time. That's correct. I was hoping. I spent the night at his place one time or something. I was thinking, well, maybe he'll calm down after a certain time, you know, but no no way. Finally, I just went off to bed. I said, I can't deal with it anymore. I could see his wife kind of nodding, going, sure, Charlie, we understand. You know, go it's the only thing you can do you know (laughs) (laughs) and on that note guys we're going to wrap it up so uh, Charlie Calvert Beth Massey thank you very much for coming on the show it's been a lot of fun thanks thanks guys guys. alright alright and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. 
For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm